You're listening to the Redemption Church Podcast with Pastor Daniel Williams as we go through a series called God Redeems, a study through the book of Exodus. If you'll turn in your Bibles with me, we're going to be in our series in Exodus. Uh, Tonight, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 15. Uh, If you don't have a Bible and you need one, we do have some in the back. Uh, But the scripture will also be up here on the screen. Some people like that, some people don't. Um, But um, we have Bibles in the back if you'd like one. If not, again, it'll be up here. Uh, You're welcome to use your phone, your tablet, whatever you'd like to be able to follow along uh, in the scripture. So uh, we'll be in chapter 15. So, But what I want to do first is I want to remind you where we were. I want to remind you where we were and how we got here. And so uh, tonight we're going to be talking, this chapter of scripture is called The Song of Moses. And just so you know, whenever you see a bold title in your Bible, that's some commentator that's added that there. That's not actually scripture. Uh, There's some interesting stuff like the Lord's Prayer. Uh, But really, it was a prayer for us to be able to pray. It wasn't the Lord praying. It was a model of how we should pray. Um, And so there's a lot of stuff in Scripture like that. This is called the Song of Moses, but really, it's all the people singing together. Um, So, But let's talk about how we get to the Song of Moses uh, before we get started here in this passage of Scripture. If you'll remember... Okay, I'm going to take you back just a little bit to chapter uh, 13 and 14. And um, so the Israelites had gone out of Egypt, right? And they're walking around. And um, Scripture says that uh, God hardened Pharaoh's heart and Pharaoh just desired to pursue them. And so he gets all of his chariots and begins to go out and pursues them at this point. Now remember, the Israelites are leaving Egypt, okay? They're leaving Egypt, and they look at the Egyptians and they say, hey, those are nice earrings. You want to give them to me? Sure, take them, right? That's nice gold, and that's nice silver. Yeah, take them, take them, take them, take them. Which was a prophecy. God said when they left that they would leave with riches, okay? That was a prophecy uh, from, from hundreds of years ago, all right? And so here they are, they're walking, they just were let go, and the people of Egypt were like, and take this stuff. And so you feel like, yes, freedom. And then all of a sudden you find out, oh yeah, by the way, Pharaoh's coming after you with a, a full army and iron chariots, iron chariots. They're coming. They're coming. All right? And, and what did the Israelites have to be able to fight off Pharaoh's army? Now, you've got to remember, the Egyptians were the most powerful people of this day. They were the most advanced culture that we know of of this time period, and they had the technology, okay? Now, remember, they built those pyramids, right? That's a pretty intelligent people, Right? long before their big old cranes to lift big old blocks to put in places, okay? Now, there's a lot of theories that actually the Israelites might have built some of those pyramids, to be honest with you, because that's a lot of labor. That's a lot of labor, all right? And so they go out into the wilderness. 
so that they can worship the Lord. Remember, that was the goal. They were gonna go out, they were gonna worship the Lord. And the first offering that Moses came to, to Pharaoh's, hey, let us go out, worship the Lord for three days, and then we'll come back. And Pharaoh said, no. Moses said, yeah, we only wanna go out for a couple of days. We only wanna worship the Lord, and then we'll actually come back. No, 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 no. It's like, all right, take plague, number one. No. Make it stop, make it stop, I'll let you go. No, okay? That's pretty much how it goes 10 times in a row, okay? And then that last plague, that last plague, and the Israelites begin to walk out into the desert. And it looks pretty good, freedom. And then Pharaoh comes, and God is guiding them. And he's guiding them by this pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire, a pillar of fire. Now, I like history a lot. There are some ancient Egyptian writings that talk about in the distance, they don't specifically mention the Israelites, but they do say that in the distance, you can see, okay, this glowing thing in the night, and they don't know what it is. So I think sometimes we fail to recognize how many people Moses was leading out of, out of Egypt at this time. We're talking like over a million people, over a million people walking out of this portion of Egypt in these small towns, okay? Over a million people are following him along and Pharaoh's army begins to pursue. And all of a sudden, they find themselves up against the Red Sea. And they're standing there up against the Red Sea and they turn around and they go, oh no, there's nowhere to go. And Pharaoh's army has surrounded them completely. And there's this like big mountain ridge and they're on top of the ridge and there's this flat part over here on the shore and they're right there as well. And, and they're like, oh no, what have you done? What have you done to us? Were there no good graves in Egypt? They said that you would have left us there, but instead we get to die here on the shores of the Red Sea. Were there no good graves in Egypt? Because, you know, that's just what a dead man needs is a good grave, right? And they said, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And then all of a sudden, the cloud went from in front of them to between them and the Egyptians. And the Egyptians couldn't see what was going on. And God said, Moses, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go out there. I want you to take your staff. I want you to touch that water and the water's gonna go up and you're gonna walk through on dry ground. Guys, dry ground, dry ground, dry ground. It's a miracle. It's an incredible miracle. But it gets better. They're walking through. They go through, right? And Pharaoh's army starts to come. And these chariots start to come along. Now, you're talking a million people trying to cross this thing on dry ground. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh's army finds their way around. And they're coming. And they begin to enter into this dry ground of the Red Sea. And Scripture tells us that God, with his hand, causes the water to close back over top of them while keeping the Israelites completely safe. Not a single Egyptian soldier caught up to the Israelites. That's a miracle right there. 
But you know how hard it would be to move a million people? Women, children, all your stuff, everything involved. And here are these guys, they have these chariots, and they're coming, okay? And they're coming with full force, and they got weapons and everything else. It's a miracle. It's a miracle, right? And so they get to the other side. They get to the other side, and this is what happens. Exodus chapter 15, this song, it's worship. I call this from desperation to praise, from desperation to praise. Now, my guess is most of you guys, if you got any years on you, okay, if you're, if you're as young as I am, right, uh, or maybe just a little bit older, some of you, um, you've experienced this from desperation to praise, being backed into that corner, looking backwards and go, Lord, what? What's going on? I thought I was following the path you told me to, and now here I stand, backed into a corner, the whole thing falling apart. And then he opens up the waters, he makes a way, you get to the other side, and there's praise, right? Desperation to praise. Desperation to praise, okay? Uh, we are so fickle. I like that word, it's just funny. Fickle, right? We're so flip-floppy. There's another way to put it. One minute, we're scared to death and we're not trusting in the Lord. We know that he's put us, he's allowed us to kind of end up in this position to be able to show his grace and his mercy. He's already revealed himself a hundred other times in our lives, right? But we're standing here in this position. Now you remember, these people all saw all 10 plagues and were protected from them. And they saw the prophecy come true of receiving all these goods as they were walking out of Egypt. But as soon as they were backed into a corner, they said, ah, does he not love us? Is he not there for us? And y'all know if you're honest with yourself, you've had that conversation with God. I've seen you move mountains in my life, God. But right now, I don't even know if you love me. Are you here? Are you here, right? Let's read this passage of scripture and see what, guys. So um, how gracious the Lord is. He deals with our flip-floppiness. He deals with our fickleness, and he doesn't leave us stranded, right? This is so beautiful. All right, the Song of Moses, Exodus chapter 15. We're gonna read right through the whole thing all the way to verse 21, so bear with me, okay? It says, then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him my father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war, the Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them, they went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power, your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. And the, at the blast of your nostril, the waters piled up. The flood stood up in a heap. 
the deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue you, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil, my desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind, the sea covered them. They sank like the lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders. You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard, they trembled. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab and the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as stone till your people, O Lord, pass by, till the people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them in your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. When the horses of Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them, but the people of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourine and dancing, and Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. Let's look at verses 1 through 13 to start, okay? Uh, we're going to take a big old chunk of this. Worship can change your perspective. Worship changes your perspective. It changes your perspective. When they're singing this song, you take a look. You look, they never talk about the fact that God forsook them. They never talked about that feeling that they had, that God had abandoned them and left them in that corner. It changed their perspective on the whole situation. It's almost like on the other side, they finally realize, oh yeah, this was God's plan the whole time. This was God's plan the whole time, okay? At first, when they were saying uh, what they were saying, were there not enough graves in Egypt as they were saying it? It was them against the Egyptians. And guess what? If it's truly them against the Egyptians, they were gonna die. There was no way. They had no weapons. They had no formal training in warfare. Maybe they had numbers, but there was no way that this, these Israelites wandering in the desert that had just been freed with their women and children and everything else involved going along that trip was going to be able to battle against Pharaoh, his army, and all of the things he was able to bring to the table. There was no way. If it's them against Pharaoh and his army, they will lose. But it's not, right? It's not them against that, all right? So look at this song. In the song, they say, 
You did this, O Lord. O Lord, you did this. You did that, O Lord. And you did this. And you allowed us to cross over. And you allowed us to do this. There's power when we recognize that it is the Lord who fights for us. There's power when we recognize that it's the Lord who fights for us. The last couple of weeks, we've been singing a song. You guys remember the song? The battle belongs to the Lord. We started singing that. Pastor Daniel introduced that uh, a few weeks ago, right? The battle belongs to the Lord. And, and we sing these songs and we believe them in the moment, right? Right? We believe them in the moment. Oh, when we're standing here, and we're singing, oh, the battle belongs to the Lord. Whatever it is, the battle belongs to the Lord. Even the difficult things in my life, I can stand here in corporate worship, fellowshipping together with brothers and sisters and say, the battle belongs to the Lord. But when I'm alone, oh, Lord, where are you? Where are you? I'm fighting this, Lord. Where are you? I come to church. Battle belongs to the Lord. Woo! Right? But just like the Israelites, just like the Israelites, we get backed into our little corner and we're like, Lord, 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 where are you? Where are you? Just like the Israelites. A lot of times we give the Israelites a hard time. We do. We really give the Israelites a hard time. We're like, they're a bunch of knuckleheads. They saw all this stuff that God did. And they still treated him like that? And he was still gracious and forgiving? And then I look back at my life over the last 20 plus years and I'm like, oh, yeah. If we were to write a book about that, it'd probably look very similar to this. Oh, over here, he was backed into a corner and he said, what, Lord, where are you? This part of his life fell apart and he was like, Lord, where are you? Maybe in public you looked big and strong and mighty and like this warrior before the Lord that understood that the battle belongs to the Lord. But sometimes in private we feel broken and we feel like the Lord has forsaken us. Worship can change your perspective. Worship can change your perspective. When we look at the crossing of the Red Sea, we see that the Lord was with them every step of the way. Isn't it cool? Isn't it cool that we can look at this story and you can see there's God's hand as he moves the cloud around and he does this. Here's God's hand here. We know that God was gonna be glorified because he was gonna split the Red Sea and they were gonna walk through on dry ground and then the Pharaoh's army was gonna come after them and God was gonna go, boom, here, you're still on dry ground. They're covered up in water. You're still on dry ground. And it was gonna be cool and God was gonna be glorified. But when you're standing in that moment and you see those chariots start to roll down on that dry ground, you don't know that until it happens, right? You don't know that until it happens. So uh, that's something important to always remember, right? We see it all over the place. The cloud by day, the fire by night, he was always with them. This is the presence of the Lord. We see it all throughout scripture, the presence of the Lord in fire, in cloud. The temple fills up with this cloud, the presence of the Lord. The Holy Spirit shows up on the day of Pentecost, fire, the presence of the Lord. Fire, 
cloud. It's all throughout Scripture. God's presence was in front of them, behind them, all around them at all times. And he is with you too. Even when you don't feel it. That's a song, isn't it? Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. It's a worship song. And it's an important worship song because it reminds us when I feel abandoned by the Lord, he's still there and he's still working. Scripture says that his timing is not our timing. Isaiah 55 says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to the Lord and I say, Lord, here's the problem and here's how we're gonna fix it. Right? You guys do that with the Lord? You're like, here's my plan. This is how this gets fixed, Lord. Now, if you'll just follow these simple steps right here that I've laid out for you, Lord, everything's gonna be all right. The beauty of the Lord is he's so gracious. He's so loving. And he takes our little plan and says, that's cute. <laughs> it's not mine. Mine's way better than this. Mine's better than this. You're not, it's not going to feel better than this. This one's gonna feel good in the beginning, but the end result is not as good as what I'm going to give you and where I'm going to take you in mine. Man, if it were up to those Israelites trapped in that corner, what would they have prayed? Lord, strike them dead. That's what I've been praying. As they pursue us, cause the wheels to fall off their chariots. No, but God's plan was bigger and mightier and better. Because if the wheels fell off their chariots, what do you think that they would have done? They would have regrouped and continued to pursue. But that would have been my prayer in that corner. Whatever it was, Lord, just stop them. Stop them. Whatever it is. But God's plan is bigger and mightier. Uh, God is doing the same thing today that he did back then. Always. He is here. He is with you no matter what your problem. No matter what your problem. I love one of my very favorite verses in the Bible is Philippians 4.8. You guys know this scripture, right? Every single one of you has it memorized. I know. I know you do. I know you do. If you don't, do it. Okay? And this is why. I'll tell you right now. Philippians 4.8 reminds us to keep our minds focused. And watch this, guys. Maybe, maybe you, you, you don't see it like this, or maybe you don't translate it like this, but this is how I see it when I read this passage of Scripture. It says, finally, brothers, and this is the Apostle Paul writing to the Philippians, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. I've gone through this list over and over and over again, and the only thing that fits every category is Jesus. Put your eyes on Jesus. Put your eyes on Jesus. Whatever is true, 
I am the truth, Christ said. Whatever is honorable, he is honorable. He is every one of these things. If there's anything worthy of praise, any excellence, think about these things. I really believe that Paul was telling him, hey, think about Jesus. Think about Jesus. When we worship, it refocuses our mind to Christ, amen? When we worship, it refocuses our mind to Christ. That's why it's so important. And when I say worship, guys, this is a song, and I love songs. I love them. I love to stand and sing before the Lord. I love the fact that the Lord hears our praise even though it doesn't sound very good sometimes, right? Y'all stand too close to me, you'll know. The Lord hears it and he thinks it's beautiful. Even if you can't carry a pitch, he don't care. He hears your praise and he thinks it's beautiful. Worship the intent is to refocus our minds to Jesus. You can worship him, you can praise him in reading his word as well. In reading his word as well. The intent of worship is to put our minds on Jesus. What is true, what is pure, what is honorable, what is noble, what is worthy of praise. Jesus, Jesus, he's the only one Pastor Joe last week taught from the book of Hebrews and he said, keep your eyes on the prize. Guys, your prize is Jesus. People wanna know where heaven is all the time. My favorite answer to where heaven is is where Jesus is because that's heaven. It's not some location, it's not some place, but, but heaven for me is being with him, is being with him. It's being with him. That's heaven, okay? It's not all about pearly gates and streets of gold. Those are amazing things. Those are gonna be beautiful things, but what's beautiful about those things is that Jesus is there. Jesus is there. Jesus is there. Streets of gold, that just means that gold values pavement in heaven. That's all that means, right? I heard a pastor one time, he brought a big old chunk of pavement up on the thing and he said, hey, just, most of you realize that if you're pursuing gold in this life, the Bible says it's, it's as valuable as this in the next. A piece of asphalt, a piece of pavement, okay? It's what the streets are paved with up in heaven, right? It's what the streets are paved with in heaven. But that's not the purpose. The purpose is Jesus. I love this, verse one says that it was not just Moses singing this song. Like I said, those bold titles, the song of Moses, right? It says that Moses and all the Israelites were worshiping corporately. They were worshiping corporately. I love to worship the Lord in my house. Most mornings, I get up really early in the morning. I mean, ridiculously early in the morning. My son and I go to the gym at 5 a.m. So I try to stumble out of bed somewhere between 4 and 4.15. I know, it's crazy, right? I make a pot of coffee, I put one headphone in, I take the dog outside and I sit with my little cup of coffee and I listen 
to worship music. I listen to worship music. It's the best way for me to start my day because it puts my mind on Jesus. Two songs that have really been getting me lately. You guys know Maverick City? Anyone listen to Maverick City? If you don't, I highly recommend it, okay? There's a couple of songs from Maverick City we've done in here before, but two songs that God has been speaking to me through lately is Refiner and Gyra. If you've never heard those two songs, I encourage you, go to YouTube, look them up. Maverick City, Refiner, and Gyra. Now, you're going to have to invest about 10 to 15 minutes per song. Because they, they, Maverick City is very much into a very fluid, like, they, they have lyrics, but they just go on for, each song's about 10, 11, 12 minutes long. And they just go and go and go and go. They, they sprout off into their little worship sessions. It's really beautiful. But here's the thing, Right? I've got some things changing, shifting around in my life right now because of various other reasons. And, um, and, you know, as humans, we find ourselves in these little places and we go, okay, now, for the last several years, I've been okay, comfortable financially, but now there's gonna be some major changes in my life. And I'm like, does that mean I'm gonna be stressed out about money all the time? Does that mean that, that things are gonna be really tight and I'm not gonna be able to afford things and then I'm gonna have to change the way that I eat and change the way that I do life? Does that mean I'm gonna have to start selling things? Does that mean, do you see what we do? And so what's the song that the Lord has given me in the past couple of weeks? Gyra. Y'all know what that means? It means provider. I didn't even put those two things together for a little while. And now every time I have those concerns like, what's gonna change? I don't know. I don't even know. I just know things are gonna change a little bit. Okay? All of you got increases in your homeowner's insurance, right? Yeah, so everybody's bills are going up $70, $80 a month minimum. Right? Gyra. You know how many times in my life God has provided in astounding ways that are far beyond what I could think or imagine, as Scripture says? You know how many times God has shown up? Yet, when I hear that there's going to be changes, I go, oh, Lord, what am I going to do? I'm probably going to have to get a second job. I'll be working nights. This will be heaven. I won't be able to do that. I won't be able to do this. Probably won't be able to do as much at the church. Probably won't. Probably Backed into a corner. Lord, where are you? Yet every morning I get up, Jaira, right? Provider God, you are my provider. You provide everything. I don't need to worry about these things because you are my provider God. Worship. It helps us refocus the mind, right? He's reminding me through this time of worship. I don't need to worry about that. We deal with these things one day at a time. You wanna be responsible, you wanna think about the future, there's nothing wrong with that, okay? But we don't need to worry about it. We need to put our cares on the Lord and say, Lord, I know you are Jaira. I know you are Jaira, right? It's just something about corporate worship, like I said earlier. It moves the soul, don't you think? I love worshiping by myself, but there is something about being here all together, worshiping together. And if you didn't feel it at the beginning of service, 
do a little heart check and say, Lord, help me to see you more in worship because he was here and it was powerful. He is here. He's always here. He's always here. I'm not gonna go through every verse, so don't get nervous because it's already almost six and I'm in verse two. (laughs) Verse two in this passage says, the Lord is my strength and my song. That's a really old worship song. Does anybody remember that one? The Lord is my strength and my song. Mike, you remember that? It's real slow, okay? But I mean, it's 20, 30 years ago, a worship song. The Lord is my strength and my song. It's literally, and he has become my salvation, all right? Uh, If I could, I'd sing it to you. I can't. Uh, I remember one time trying to sing, um, he walks with me and he talks with me, and Daniel said, I went back and tried to put the, the song underneath of you singing that, and he's like, dude, you were way off. That's not even what that song sounds like. Never again, not doing it again, right? Uh, So listen, the Lord is my strength and my song, okay? Moses and the people speak of the Lord's strength, his salvation, his majesty, his grace, his holiness, the power of his right hand in this song, his name and his glory, When we worship, our worship should bring honor to the Lord, recognizing all these things about his character and his goodness. Our worship should bring honor to the Lord, and that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. I love this in in verse nine. I told you, see, I'm not doing them all. (laughs) in, In verse nine, it says, the enemy said, the enemy said, and here we go, folks. This is where most of our fear comes from. The enemy said. You know, I've learned that the enemy likes to talk a lot. He loves to talk. He loves to talk. Here's the thing. He can talk enough that he hardly has to have action because he can literally tear you down just by talking to you. Just by convincing you of something bad, just like those Israelites standing in that moment, all the enemy does is he starts to talk to us. And I started to think about the situations in the Bible where the enemy talks a lot. And you think about Goliath walking down there. And you think about Goliath saying the things that he said. Who will come out and fight against me? The enemy likes to talk a lot, right? And everybody was scared. We can't do it, we can't do it. Until David finally said, well, it ain't me going out there to fight against him, it's the Lord. So who cares how big I am? It's the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. David recognized that, he saw that, so he was able to stand against this giant. The enemy likes to talk a lot. We studied the, the Hezekiah, the story of Hezekiah. You remember uh, Sennacherib? They don't, I, I always mispronounce that name. Sennacherib, Sennacherib, is the Persian king. And he sent word in. And he says, who do you think you are? Do you think the gods of any other nation have been able to stand against me? I am the most powerful man in the world. You will certainly fall to me. And it says, Isaiah and Hezekiah, They prayed, and an angel of the Lord came at night and wiped out 185,000 troops. One angel, 185,000 troops. They prayed. 
The enemy likes to talk a lot. We can either get scared or we can say, the battle belongs to the Lord. You talk all you want. You talk all you want. You ain't gonna win. The battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. I may lose some small things along the way, but the ultimate victory, that's his. That's his. That's his. And that's what they're recognizing here. Don't let the enemy, don't let the words of the enemy strike fear into you. God is on your side. If you are his child, he's on your side. He's on your side. Trust him. Trust him. The enemy loves to whisper in our ear and we build up all these things that might not ever happen. He's telling you, well, wait, what if this happens? Well, what about that? You know when that happens, this is gonna happen. It's gonna be bad. It's gonna be bad. Verses 14 through 17, worship gives us hope for the future. Man, when we recognize God's power and might in one situation, when we worship him, in our situations, we can begin to trust him and hope for future situations as well. You know, in scripture, whenever they did something major, they always built a memorial. And so they could remember, oh, this is when God did this. And so when your children ask you, they said, tell them this memorial is here because this is what God did in this spot. And this is what God did in this spot. And this is what God did in this spot over here. And that spot over there, and your kids are going to go, wow, God did a lot of things. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. God did a lot of things. God delivered us from a lot of things. All these little memorials. In verses 14 through 17, he talks about trusting God for their future battles. They know that this is not the last battle that they'll have to fight. This was the first. They just came out of Egypt. And then they begin to sing and they begin to say that, that about Moab and Edom and the Edomites, the people of Canaan, people that they're going to encounter along their path. And so here's what happens, guys. When they go to these groups, these groups have already heard about what God has done. They've already heard about what God has done. And some of them are scared. You guys remember the story of Rahab and the battle of Jericho? And you remember when those spies go into her house, she says, oh, we've already heard about your God. Oh, and I believe him to be the true and living God. So uh, protect me and my family in this. And they said, okay. Put them all inside of this part of the wall. And when we take down this wall, this part won't fall. And that's what happened. But they had already heard about the great things that God had done. They knew all about it. So it's either the enemy whispering, this might happen, this might happen, or it's us worshiping, singing praise, and giving testimony of what God has done in our lives so that people know that we serve a mighty God who can do anything, anything. 
It's our testimony. It's our worship. It's our praise. I've known people that had brain cancer. Dying of brain cancer. Worshiping Jesus. In the church I was going to, he said, hey, can the worship team just come to my house and do worship? And he had pretty much lost the ability to talk. He just write down a little bit. And we all prayed that God was going to heal him, and God didn't heal him. He died. But he continued to worship the Lord until his last breath. And here's what happened, people. Seven people came to know Jesus because of that man and his brain cancer. They said, if a man can continue to worship Jesus through that and trust him, then there's something about that God that I need to know about. There's something about that God that I need to know about. And seven people gave their lives to Christ because of this man continuing to worship in the midst of his trials. Worship is powerful, guys. It's powerful. It's powerful. Watching God win gives them so much hope for their future. They're gonna struggle. They're gonna doubt. But God is always with them, just like he's always with us. We can trust him for our future because you know that he's already been with you this far. He's already been with you this far and he'll continue to fight for you. In verse 20 through 21, worship is contagious. It's contagious, right? Did you notice this? Right at the end of this passage of scripture, it said that Miriam then got all the women together, got the tambourine. I love me some good tambourine in worship. I love some good tambourine, right? In worship. Makes it easier to clap and stay on beat too for those of us that don't have much rhythm, right? Okay, I love some good tambourine in worship, but here's the thing. Worship is contagious. Moses and the men of Israel were worshiping the Lord, talking about what the Lord had done, and Miriam said, I wanna be a part of that. And so she got the girls together and she said, hey, we're gonna worship too. And she got the tambourine and she made a beat and they began to sing the same thing, the exact same words that Moses had just been singing because worship is contagious. Man, when you're worshiping the Lord, other people wanna worship too. Other people wanna worship too, okay? People that are in a bad mood, I mean, we're Christians, right? We don't get in bad moods, right? Y'all don't get, shh. My daughter's back there laughing because she knows. <laughs> That's the one thing about kids, they'll always tell the truth, right? Uh, so worship is contagious. We get in a bad mood. Somebody around us is, is singing worship, playing worship. Oh, yeah, it reminds you. Brings a smile to your face, right? Galatians 3.28 is great because it tells us about this. In Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female for all are one in Christ Jesus. We talked about corporate worship. Back then, the men, the women, they were separated and all these types of things. And through Christ, we are all one. We get to worship 
corporately we come together. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter anything about you. It doesn't matter who you are, where you came from, your gender, whether you're male or female. Jesus loves us all equally and wants us to worship him all together. You know what else is contagious, y'all? Complaining. Negativity. Uh. So what is it? You're contagious. You are. You're contagious. Are you negatively contagious or are you contagious in worship? We choose. I mean, they could have gotten to the other side of that and said, well, thank God we made it, but that was close. I mean, he could have done that faster, couldn't he? Why didn't he take them out on the back? Why didn't he just move the fire pillar back there and burn them up? It's contagious. And I'm guilty. I have spread negativity. I'm sure you have too. We choose to spread worship. We choose to spread worship. If your friends are complaining, your believing friends, lead them to worship. Maybe that's giving a scripture. Maybe that's changing their focus, okay? Because it does, it changes our perspective. Maybe it's helping them see the good thing in the thing that they're complaining about. Moses and the people chose to see the good things in this passage of scripture today. They chose to see the good things. We don't wanna be negative. We get to choose Jesus, worshiping, or that gossiping and complaining. Every day, you're going to have to choose that because gossiping and complaining comes so natural to us. Amen? Amen. It's the easiest thing to slip into, isn't it? I know. Trust me. The Israelites are going to continue to struggle with that as well. They gossip and complain a lot. A lot. And God ain't happy with them about it. But in this moment, right now, they got their eyes focused so as John and the team comes forward, I want to encourage you with a, a psalm. And this is the very last psalm. You probably know it. Psalm 150. I just want to read it to you. And then we'll go into a time of worship as we prepare our hearts for communion. I'm going to read this psalm to you. It says, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent goodness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let's worship together, guys as we prepare our hearts for communion. We get to worship him because of what he's done for us. So as we sit, as we sing, as we praise the Lord, grab those communion elements and prepare your heart. Ask God to forgive you for those moments. Maybe you're in one now where you're focused on the negative and not on Jesus. Worship's not your first response. And you know it should be. Ask God to help you that it does become that.
Let's worship together, guys. This is Pastor Daniel Williams with Redemption Church. Thank you so much for listening to this message. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube, so you never miss a message. The mission of Redemption Church is to pursue and to proclaim Jesus, and we would love to have you partner with us. Feel free to share these messages with your family and friends. And also, if you'd like to donate to the ministry, go to redemptiondb.com. God bless you.